devastation akin to an atomic bomb. World powers are in a race for the next Manhattan Project. This time, instead of an atomic bomb, the atoms make up a quantum computer. In this special report, we look at China's goal to be the first to get their hands on the ultimate cyber weapon, how China tracks up against the U.S. in terms of this race, and how Americans' personal information is at the heart of it all. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. There's a race brewing between world powers to be the first in achieving quantum computing. Such a device will be able to wipe out any kind of encryption that currently exists today in order to extract whatever kind of data, classified or otherwise, that it wants to get its access to. So what you're talking about is the ultimate weapon in cyber warfare that could come as a result of our the, the race that we're engaged in with China uh, towards a quantum computer. That's Arthur Herman, director of the Quantum Alliance Initiative and senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. He notes whoever controls the next quantum computer will have powers akin to the atomic bomb. Potentially as important as the race to create the hydrogen bomb because of the enormous catastrophic effect if the Chinese were to have a code-breaking quantum computer before we have it or before we're really ready to face it. The devastation could have consequences rivaling the next Manhattan Project, the World War II research effort to develop the first nuclear weapons. And because of that, world powers are in a race to get there first. China's Baidu just announced its first quantum computer. It boasts a power of 10 qubits. But what does that mean? Baidu's has 10 qubits, right? Uh, if you have a quantum computer with 100 qubits, in other words, 100 uh, data processing units that run on, that, that depend upon quantum physics, a 100 qubit quantum computer has more computing power than all of the existing hard drives in the world. Herman notes the power of the computer lies in how many qubits it has. By the time we get to, let's say, a 500 qubit quantum computer, you're going to have more quantum computer than there are more atoms in the universe. This brings us back to the race for the next Manhattan Project, the next big shift in mankind. How is China shaping up? And what does Baidu's announcement mean for us? It's not a story that needs to keep anybody up at night or worry about uh, that what Baidu uh, breaking into our encryption systems. But he says what should concern us is the overall trajectory. They see the goal. China, Beijing sees the goal. They see the prize at the end of this. And we do too, but we need to make sure that our efforts to achieve that goal and to protect our data and networks are as comprehensive and as coordinated as China's are. These are industries that America is used to dominating. But how's that history of domination made us complacent? Herman says the important thing to keep in mind is that the Chinese regime is playing the long game. Uh, otherwise, we could be waking up one day, perhaps in 2030, perhaps in 2035, perhaps sooner, to an entirely new world uh, thanks, to, thanks to the catastrophic 
code-breaking power of a large-scale quantum computer. Back to the Baidu story. Herman explains. The Baidu story is directionally disturbing in this sense, that Baidu, right, it's like, it's like the Chinese Facebook, right? It has that kind of a, it's, just, it's basically a platform. Herman notes there's a coming war for data. But what is it that Baidu, Facebook, TikTok, what are they the great masters of? Handling large amounts of data, right? Of using artificial intelligence apps in order to sift through big data and come up with solutions, come up with a whole set of conclusions about what people are going to do, how, what people are going to look for uh, when they're browsing on their Facebook page. Now, what drives artificial intelligence and machine learning is data. The concern comes in if or when these are combined. Now, if you link up those AI applications with the enormously speeded up computing power of quantum, then you're talking about breakthroughs that could come at, at a blinding speed in terms of being able to use AI uh, in order to build predictive models, in order to shorten the decision chain on how to respond to moves, whether it's on the, on the battlefield or the economic arena uh, or in the political and di diplomatic arena. Um, the, the whole race in order to dominate artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, now suddenly takes on a whole new and more dangerous and menacing front. Now, when it comes to machine learning, that goes back to the issue of data. But where is the Chinese regime getting that data? Popular social media apps like Facebook and TikTok collect mountains of data. But there have been concerns with TikTok's ties to Beijing. TikTok parent company ByteDance is based in China. And under Chinese law, any company must hand over data when asked by the regime. That brings up security concerns in the U.S. Casey Fleming, CEO of intelligence and security strategy firm Black Ops Partners, says the app is more than meets the eye. TikTok is a weaponized military application in the hands of our middle schoolers, our kids, our high school kids, and our young adults. But Herman says it goes even deeper. It's also become a means by which Chinese propaganda, communist Chinese propaganda, can be spread and infiltrate into the minds of our teenagers uh, and of TikTok users. Um, so the danger point with TikTok runs both ways, not just the data that's coming in, but also the propaganda and fake news that's going out. As for what the Chinese regime could potentially do with all that information it gathers. They can use that information really, number one, the most important is to, is to steal intellectual property. Uh, secondly, to, to blackmail. Uh, thirdly, it's a propaganda platform. You can see all these TikTok challenges, and, the, and most of them are very dangerous to our children. Uh, and, you know, to steal cars, to do challenges that puts the, you know, that w we've lost a lot of kids to these TikTok challenges that come up about once a month. You have to understand it's a, it's a propaganda platform completely owned, operated, and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. He highlights how this ties into the long term. It's not something that's just started. It's been going on for decades, but it's actually peaking now. You're seeing a lot of things happen uh, since COVID. You're seeing a lot of things happen as far as the aggressiveness of the Chinese Communist Party or 
all around the world on many, many different fronts. And that's really called a thing called hybrid warfare. And every American should understand what hybrid warfare is. And they say, well, what is that? Hybrid warfare is achieving military objectives and political objectives through non-military means. So in other words, weakening your, uh, your adversary to where they're much easier to take over. It's not just through our social media apps. Fleming notes it's happening on multiple fronts. Fentanyl is the number one killer of Americans, and uh, Wuhan, China, is the number one fentanyl manufacturer in the world. And they send that uh, fentanyl along with money laundering capabilities to the Mexican drug cartels. So that's just one area, religious uh, warfare, all these different things that people need to understand. Uh, you know, psychological warfare, information slash cognitive warfare, that's what's ha happening on social media today. So how can we counter this threat? Let's start with data. The federal government is trying to take steps now to limit the degree to which American companies do hand over their data or provide access to data uh, to uh, Chinese companies, which means ultimately to the Chinese government and to the Chinese military and intelligence services. But to really understand a threat, Fleming says it begins with being informed. Number one is to stay educated. Broadcasts like these uh, are the way to stay educated. Go to the company page on LinkedIn and, and that'll really, uh, you know, connect a lot of dots for you. But, you know, it's happening on your watch. I'm speaking to the audience and stay educated and do what you can to, with your power, you know, get involved in maybe a movement to, to wake up on this thing. Alongside the data threat, countering the quantum threat starts with a shift in perspective. It's a change, a shift in change in how we think about security and how we think about data. An expert says it needs to happen in every sector of society. It's a culture change with our companies, with our culture in our, in our country, with our politics. Uh, it's we're all one and we're all together in this. And on the national level, there have been calls for decoupling. But whether we want to or not, China is already decoupling so they can insulate their economy as they go forward with, with a potential war with Taiwan, which may involve the free world. Um, so they are absolutely looking at that. And you have to look at decoupling as a very serious thing. So is it going to get down to the good guys uh, versus the bad guys? I think you're absolutely seeing that now and you're going to see that play out much more in the future. Following the Ukraine war, China saw the sanctions the West slapped on Russia and started taking steps to protect itself. But also decoupling on the other side, China, uh, Russia and so on, is going to hurt them a whole lot more. Looking at how we got here, Fleming explains that it took years to dig ourselves into the current conundrum. So we've kind of done it to ourselves and there's going to there's a, a time when we're going to have to pay some of that back. And so it will come back with higher prices. It's going to come back with not having some things that you're used to having in the past. But um, it's going to be forced whether whether the CCP CCP forces it, which they are. It's it's early on or whether we enforce it. The question is, it's going to happen. Do we want to be ahead of the curve or behind the curve? Being ahead of the curve is probably the right thing to do. And making sure the U.S. digs itself out may come with some growing pains. Make no mistake, it will be painful. And uh, but China will be going through a much worse pain than the United States and the free world. But if we don't take those steps to shore up our own defenses, to undo some of the choices we made in the past, Fleming points out what lies ahead. People say, well, how serious is it? And I say, well, if, if you think about it, this is World War II all over again, 1939, with four countries that are all aligned 
against the free world, uh, same as World War II. But the difference is now it's the, it's at the speed of technology and the stealth of hybrid warfare. So it's it's beyond very serious, and it's being kept under the surface by stealth warfare and by these uh, these stealth applications like TikTok that we're talking about and those type of things. Just like the atoms that make up the building blocks of nature, the next atomic weapon starts with something small. Little pieces of our information, data that's collected by platforms like Facebook and TikTok, details that are then fed into machine learning and artificial intelligence that can power the next quantum computer, the next ultimate weapon that could wipe out the world. Not through a mushroom cloud on the surface, but an explosion across all electronics, breaking the unbreakable, wiping out power grids, leaving whole nations deaf, dumb, and blind. But until we get there, there's still time to change course. Coming up, the U.S. is banning the sales of advanced microchips made by an American chip designer to China. But the company can still develop a certain type of the technology in the country. And Arizona's governor is in Taiwan. He's on a mission to meet with advanced microchip suppliers, as Taiwan is the home of the world's top manufacturers. More on that after the break, here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we dive into today's news, make sure to use the link below to subscribe to our newsletter and an exclusive behind-the-scenes snapshot for our readers. Keep an eye out. The newsletter will land in your inbox Friday morning. Now we turn to today's news, an escalation of Washington's crackdown on China's technology sector. The U.S. government is banning high-end chips made by an American chip designer from being sold to China. That's citing national security concerns. It comes as China-U.S. tensions mount over the Taiwan issue. U.S. officials have ordered NVIDIA to stop exporting two top computing chips used in artificial intelligence to China. The chip designer disclosed the ban in a regulatory filing on Wednesday. It's a move that could hamstring Chinese firms' ability to carry out advanced work like image recognition and cost NVIDIA hundreds of millions of dollars in business. The order affects its A100 and H100 chips designed to speed up machine learning tasks. NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang, a Taiwanese-American, had just unveiled the H100 as the firm's new flagship chip this spring. Now the company says the ban could interfere with the completion of its development. According to NVIDIA, U.S. officials said the new rule, quote, will address the risk that the covered products may be used in or diverted to a military end-use or military end-user in China. Asked for comment, the U.S. Department of Commerce would not give details of the new criteria for exporting chips to China, but told Reuters it's reviewing its policies and practices to keep advanced technologies out of the wrong hands. The announcement signals a major escalation of Washington's crackdown on China's technological capabilities as tensions bubble over the fate of Taiwan, where almost all major chip firms have their products made. Sales of these advanced chips are restricted in China, but NVIDIA can still develop one of the chips, the H100, in China. The company revealed that news Thursday. 
Arizona's governor is now the latest U.S. politician to visit Taiwan, and he has a mission to woo suppliers for the new $12 billion semiconductor manufacturing plant under construction in his state. Let's zoom in. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey met with Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen on Thursday. There, they discussed economic and educational cooperation. Arizona stands with Taiwan, and we look forward to building on the many opportunities ahead. Taiwanese semiconductor maker TSMC is building a new plant in Arizona. Of Arizona's commitment to the growing relationship with Taiwan, last month I was proud to sign legislation establishing our state's first foreign trade office in Taiwan. Ducey arrived in Taiwan on Tuesday. His trip is focusing on semiconductors, critical microchips that are used in everything from household electronics to military gear. These microchips have become a battleground in the technology competition between the U.S. and China. Ducey is the most recent U.S. politician to visit Taiwan, following Indiana's governor, Senator Marsha Blackburn, and Senator Edward Markey. The round of visits came after Beijing's fierce reaction to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to the island. The Chinese military conducted week-long military drills in the waters surrounding it. In the face of authoritarian expansionism and the economic challenges of the post-pandemic era, we look forward to bolstering cooperation with the United States in the semiconductor and other high-tech industries, building more secure and resilient supply chains, and jointly producing democracy chips to safeguard the interests of our democratic partners and create greater prosperity. Tsai says she's confident Taiwan and Arizona will deepen cooperation in education, culture and trade, and that Taiwan and the U.S. will continue to build alliances to safeguard peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific. Taiwan says it has shot down an unidentified civilian drone over one of its islands. The landmass lies just miles from mainland China. The drone was spotted Thursday above the waters of a small island controlled by Taiwan. Unidentified drones have been reported in the Kinmen area for four days in a row. But this is the first time one has been shot down. On Tuesday, Taiwanese soldiers fired flares at three unidentified drones. It's unclear who was flying the drones, though China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said it was not aware of the situation. Taiwan's president Tsai Ing-wen said she ordered Taiwan's defense ministry to take forceful countermeasures against what she called Chinese gray zone warfare tactics. In a new report, the U.S. says China may have committed crimes against humanity. This refers to China's detention of Uyghurs and other Muslims in the Xinjiang region, what the Uyghurs call East Turkestan. The long-awaited report came out just before the United Nations human rights chief stepped down on Wednesday. Here's more. The UN says China may be guilty of crimes against humanity in its treatment of Uyghur Muslims. Michelle Bachelet, the UN's outgoing human rights chief, made the claim in a long-delayed report released on Wednesday. In May, Bachelet visited Xinjiang in China's northwest, which is home to around 10 million Uyghurs, a mainly Muslim ethnic minority. The lengthy report said, quote, serious human rights violations have been committed in the province. It says allegations of arbitrary detention and forced medical treatment of Uyghurs are all credible. The UN is calling on Beijing to immediately release all those detained in training centers 
prisons or detention facilities. Rights groups have accused Beijing of abuses against Uyghurs that include the mass use of forced labor in internment camps. The United States has accused China of genocide. China has vigorously denied the allegations and urged the UN not to release the report. Within hours of the report's release, it branded it a farce planned by the US, Western nations and anti-China forces. Bachelet herself has come under fire for being too soft on China. She released the report only minutes before her four-year term ended on Wednesday. She now plans to retire in Chile. The U.S. government plus lawmakers from several other countries have labeled human rights conditions in Xinjiang genocide. Canada, the U.K., the Netherlands, France and Lithuania are among them. Multilateral war games kicked off Thursday in Russia. The event is part of an arena to show off the nation's might and its strength in China relations. Here's what's happening. Russia launched week-long war games Thursday involving forces from China and other nations. The military exercises called the Vostok 2002 will run for a week. Russia, China, India, Belarus and Tajikistan are among the countries taking part in the maneuvers. According to Russia's defense ministry, the drills will span various locations in Russia's Far East and the Sea of Japan. More than 50,000 troops and over 5,000 weapons units will be involved. The defense ministry noted that as part of the maneuvers, the Russian and Chinese navies in the Sea of Japan will practice joint action to protect sea communications, areas of marine economic activity, and support for ground troops in littoral areas. The exercises show growing cooperation between Moscow and Beijing as they both face tensions with the U.S. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shenyun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.